0: hey guys welcome to the fellowship greenville students podcast this week matt Densky continues our new series puzzle piece jesus he teaches from john 18 verses 1 through 11 with the betrayal and arrest of jesus talking about how the disciples didn't have control of the situation peter thinks he knows what to do better than jesus and doesn't surrender to his ways something we often do in our spiritual lives matt talks about how love is the motive to trust and trust is the cure of control and challenges us to trust the one who is in complete control. We hope you enjoy this message. Oh, it's good to see you guys tonight. You guys doing well? feeling well? Had a good week? Had a good weekend? Yeah, man. Well, welcome yet again to Fellowship Greenville students. We are so glad you guys are here. As always, in case you don't know me, let me just introduce myself. My name is Matt. If it's your first first time, guys, I, I got complimented. JJ, just come up here for one second, man. I got complimented tonight, man. This is my brother, JJ. I got complimented tonight on my salmon shirt, coral shirt. And uh, then I saw JJ, and I thought, dude, if I'm looking more like this man, my my life is good right now. So, hey, man, you're looking good. I'm honored. I'm honored to be wearing the same... Shirt color is you. He gave me a hard time last week. I don't know if you remember that. You were like, you always wear gloomy colors. (laughs) I think you actually called my look muted or something like that. I was like, okay, all right, my man. I got a coral shirt up in my closet, says otherwise. But that's all right. Anyway, man. (laughs) It's all right. The one time. No, it's good to see you guys, man. Uh, man, we just want you guys to know that you belong here. That's like our heart. Uh, that's that's our prayer, that you belong here no matter who you are, where you're coming from, no matter what baggage you brought through that door tonight. You belong here. We believe that because we believe you're loved. And we just want you to know we're crazy in love with Jesus. Even if you're not, that's okay. But we are, and um, man, we're unashamedly, we desire that every single person in this room would come into a relationship with Jesus because we believe he's the source of life and hope in this world. And we're trying to become more like him uh, through his grace and and power. And that's really who we are, man. We're so so glad you're here tonight. Last week, we started a series, a brand new series kicking us off. It's called Puzzle Piece Jesus. You can kind of see the puzzle behind me here. The idea being that our understanding of who Jesus is, like our picture of Jesus, our portrait of Jesus has been defined over the years or put together over the years as really a hodgepodge or a compilation of different things. Maybe you heard this about Jesus when you were young, you were growing up, and you heard this weird sermon, and and you just put this idea about Jesus in your head or your heart. And man, as you got a little older, maybe in school you heard some of your friends talking about Jesus. I know when I was in high school, I used to hear things and and conclude that like, oh, well, if it's you talking about it, I guess that's true, and as I got older, I came to find, man, they didn't have a clue what they were talking about at all, and so, but we hear things, and we put these ideas about Jesus into our heads, into our hearts, and we make this portrait of Jesus. It's got all these different pieces. It looks like them, but man, maybe there's a few pieces missing, or, or maybe... This piece didn't quite look right, so you flipped it over and used the blank cardboard side, and you crammed it in there real good, and it fits. doesn't really reveal anything, but your puzzle is complete now, right? Like We're starting this series, this idea that maybe our understanding about who Jesus is has been based more on what we've heard over the years from sermons, from friends, from family, from where we grew up. Maybe it's based more on that. Than what Jesus says about himself and maybe it's not the complete picture or the most accurate picture I told you guys this last last week, but a lot of my time spent with college students now Is undoing lies that they've heard over the years about who Jesus is like we, we can't even move forward at this moment We actually got to go backwards to the past and undo a lot of this whack theology they heard growing up To actually now move forward so this series is really trying to tackle who Jesus is and allowing him to speak for himself. Last week we started in John chapter 6, if you remember. Jesus says these very strange words, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Some cannibalistic things going on there. Not literally, thankfully, <laughs> but figuratively. And, uh, and he lost his following at that sermon. Peak of his popularity and everyone left him because it was, it was too radical. 12,000 down to 12. But Jesus' idea there is, if you're going to come to me, if you're going to really follow me, you have to consume me, all of me. you got to take me in. you got to digest me. you got to wrestle with this. you got to allow me to define who I am. You don't get to put the puzzle together yourself. So tonight, <laughs> we're continuing that series, Puzzle Piece Jesus. And we're going to be looking at a really um, interesting passage of Scripture. To me, it's interesting. All four Gospels record this passage, so it's really significant. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not all of them have the same things, but all four record this one. So it's really significant. Uh, Anyone into the Enneagram in this room? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yes, he finally is preaching about it. I've been waiting years. i got to be honest. i got to be honest. I have reluctantly resisted the, the Enneagram for a long time. If you don't know what the Enneagram is, bless you. Bless you. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, it's a personality test, personality profiling test. JJ's taken it three times. They keep, te- they keep putting him as a number 10, and he doesn't know what to do with that. <laughs> Which doesn't exist at all, if you know the test. Um, no, it's a personality test. I've resisted it for years, but everyone's into it, and it's super trendy. Oh, wow. Yeah. And anyway... Um, so if you are into it, I want to confess something to you guys tonight. Recently, I have gotten more and more into it. I started reading about it. I started researching, and it's actually pretty cool. I have tested, I have researched, I have read, and your boy is a number eight. Uh, you, you are snowman's what's up, uh, pretty through and through. And if you know anything about eights, then you know, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, can I be vulnerable with you in this room? Are we, not a, are we not a community here? Can I struggle for a minute? Can I confess some things? I want to be honest. Aids typically struggle with a desire for control. Like that's one of the marks of an eight. Like we want control. We don't like a scenario that begins to unravel. We don't like a scenario that like gets out of our hands. We want to know that we're in control of the scenario. So flexibility and adaptability usually are not my strong suits, which is really, really interesting like, my best friend, Tyler Smith, the homeless-looking dude that, can't, that was in here a few weeks ago. Yeah. Like, one of my best friends in the whole world, he came up to me recently, and he said, Bro. I said, Yes. He said, You're just so steady. I want to know how you do it. Can we have lunch sometime? And you just talked to me about how you're so steady. I was like, I don't think this man knows me at all. I've been duped. Like my best friend in the whole world, somehow I'm deceiving him into thinking something that's not true. Because I desire control. Anyone else in this room? Like, hey, you desire control. You you may label it maybe like this. Like, you get worked up when situations don't go your way. Show of hands. Anyone? Okay, cool. I'm not alone. Uh, You find yourself getting angry at a scenario when it doesn't go as planned. Anyone? Show of hands. Thank you. I'm re- look, dude. I'm I'm here. I'm confessing some things. Uh, you find yourself taking out your anger towards others when your plans go wrong. Anyone? It had, they had nothing to do with it, but your plans went awry, and you're like, you!" Like everything is wrong. Yeah, man. That's me. I wanna I wanna confess, man. I struggle with control. I wrestle um I wrestle with it, man. I I I, I sometimes I have a hard time of letting go of things of letting go of things, not necessarily grudges, because forgiveness is not necessarily part of this. This is like I have a hard time of letting go of scenarios. I have a hard time letting go of of hiccups, like when the day just isn't going as planned. I have a hard time sometimes letting go. And it can change me. Like, it it, it can affect me. Uh, One of the core values here at Fellowship Greenville internally for the staff is that we would live with our hands open. Like, when they hire you, they let you know. Like, this is what we're striving for. It's like, oh, that's cool, man. This idea that, like, dude, no matter what happens, I trust in Jesus. He's got it. But what I find myself doing very often is, like, yeah, that's that's great. Until stuff goes bad, then I'm like, ooh, I got to, like, take control back. I got to try to make it work myself. I really struggle with this. Today's been one of those days, man. I'll I'll be honest. Like, I'm in that zone right now. I walked in the room tonight. I didn't even say a word. And everyone's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, man, shut up. (laughs) Like... Like, my aura is giving off this vibe. Something's wrong. The people closest to me could tell. It's just been one of those days, man. Like, trying to get to work tonight, trying to come to church tonight. There was this big accident. I had to do the math on this. I had to drive to North Carolina, not to North. I had to drive towards North Carolina to find a route here. Does that make sense to y'all? It doesn't make sense. And I'm sitting there in my truck like, this is the stupidest thing in the world, man. Like, I'm supposed to be there at a certain time. I'm running late. If you have control problems... You, you talk like this in your head, you know what I mean? Like, this is the dumbest thing. What, what the heck is a Dollar General 18-wheeler doing up here anyway? Like, it's, a, it's like off in the road. Like, what are you doing on this road? And, and you're just super angry. Johnny texted me. Is Johnny in the room? Yeah, yeah. Johnny texted me earlier in the week. He's like, hey, man, what you preaching on this week? I said, I don't know. I'm working on it. Did I ever get back to him? No. I didn't, man. I left you hanging. I left you hanging. That's a bad friend. Because he's trying to plan worship for you guys based on what I'm teaching about. And I left him hanging. I'm beating myself up about that today. I'm going on a, a big trip starting tomorrow. I, I left my home. If you know me, you know I'm a family man. I love my family. And it was like goodbyes as I'm walking out the door. Like, I'm crying my eyes out. My wife's crying her eyes out. My son and my little baby are waving and blowing kisses. And I'm, like, backing down the driveway. Like, oh, I love you, God. And, like, it's in my head. Like, man. I, and then I bump into the Dollar General tractor-trailer thing that's, like, all off on the road. I'm like, why are you in an accident? I need to get to work, man. I can't focus on this. I need, to, I need some time to put on some, like, in and cry for a minute, okay? I can't be looking at my new GPS directions and trying to figure something out. It's just been one of those days, man. Like, I'm, I'm so off. Everything's off. Packing for my trip. Anyone else bad packers? I'm a terrible packer, man. I'm a terrible packer. I either... I either can throw two weeks' worth of stuff into a fanny pack, or I need like five bags. I'm like the worst, there's no middle ground for me. I'm just extreme, man. Sometimes I'm like, oh, all I need is a sock. Other times I'm like, yeah, I need everything. Anyway, it's just been one of those days. I'm confessing this to you. I'm in a bad place right now, man. This is, and, I, and man, I was like, I was combing through this scripture tonight, and I'm like, God, really? Like this, is, like, this is the sermon. I'm trying to teach a sermon tonight about letting things go, about, about trusting in Jesus and not desiring control all the time, and you're throwing days like this. Out. I'm like, God, really? And he's like, uh, yeah, you know this is how I work, right? I'm like, I know, man, but why? Why today? Why me, you know? And Johnny's like, we're going to sing It Is Well tonight. I'm like, man, but it's not well. <laughs> like, it's just where I'm at, dude. I wrestle with this. I really do sometimes. I really struggle with this. I have a hard time sometimes letting go. I have a hard time sometimes if I can't control a scenario. A few um, years ago, I was hired by this church in Florida, and they asked me to come down for this um, four-day intensive uh, like leadership retreat thing with some of their students. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And so I came down, and I, um, this process is designed to bring out the worst in people so that we can address our sin and repent of our sin and move forward uh, in victory and growing in maturity as a as a community so I'm down there and I'm leading them through some of this stuff I get in around midnight and usually for these trips it's full-on sleep deprivation like I'm putting them in all these tricky scenarios and we're trying to figure stuff out and it's like all this leadership development so at midnight I threw them in the deep end man and they're not happy and this one guy in particular is just this very unhappy guy. He's very vocal. He was kind of the leader of this group. And he keeps, like, taking these digs at me. I don't know how you handle uh, when people make jokes at your expense or mock you or make fun of you. Or, like, when you're, when you're, like, I'm new. He doesn't even know me. You know what I mean? And he's making these jokes This like, uh, I, like, he would just say these things like, oh, yeah, Matt wouldn't know what to do there. Ha, 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 right, Matt? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, because I got to be professional. Like, you know, I'm the guy they hire. But the whole week, he's just making these cracks, these jokes. He's just such a punk, man. You know what I mean? And, um, and a couple of days go by, and, I mean, it is just eating away at my nerves. And the youth pastor there is a guy I knew really, really well. And I, I was like confessing to him, man, like I I dude, I'm having a hard time with your student. I just gotta let you know. Like I know I'm supposed to be down here, loving, loving on your flock. But man, this guy keeps saying, and it sounds so juvenile when you lay it out. This guy keeps he keeps making jokes about me, man. <laughs> like, no, he's just disrespectful, man. I like I'm trying to do all this. He keeps like side railing it. And so we entered into this afternoon session. And I was just, dude, I, I could tell I was in one of these modes where it's like, I've got to take control. Like, I've got to tighten my grip and tighten my fist. And, and I had this uh, little chair there, this foldy chair, because ha- your boy's got a bad back. You may know that about me. So I had this little chair because I can't sit without support for very long. And homeboy comes up and sits down in the chair. Does he ask me? No. I don't know if you've ever wanted to murder someone, but I have. (laughs) And I'm sitting there thinking like, hey, dude, hey, 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 let it go. Let it go. Like, dude, it's fine, man. It's just a chair. Don't make a, like, you're supposed to be leading this thing, man. You're supposed to be pointing these kids towards Jesus. Like, let it go. So I I, I didn't say anything. Sat in my seat without asking me. That's cool. (laughs) Like, didn't say anything. Man, he just lounges. He's like leaning back. His legs are crossed. He's comfortable as all get out. Like, my back, I'm starting to egg. I'm like putting weird pressure, leaning against stuff, like trying to stretch out everything. And we get into this session, and he starts more than ever throughout the weekend. He starts pointing, I mean, literally and figuratively putting his finger in my face. Like, he starts kicking back more than ever in front of, in front of everyone. I don't know if you've ever felt humiliated or, or discredited or whatever, but I'm in my head, I'm like, man, your church hired me, dude. Like, who do you think? Like, this is my head. Like, who do you think you are, bro? And, and, and man, the whole weekend, you've been so dist- You haven't listened to a word I've said. Like, he's, he's literally got his arms crossed, and he's calling me out. I don't know if you can imagine the scenario of a 17-year-old punk who doesn't even know me. And at this time, I was 28, 29. He doesn't even know me and he's sitting here telling me how dumb this thing is, how wrong I am, how he's right, how he knows more in this scenario than me. The equivalent, I, I was what, 10 years older than him? Most of you guys in here what, 16, 17, 14, 13, somewhere in there? The equivalent would be a four-year-old comes up to you and says, hey, idiot, I know more about life than you ever will, <laughs> and he does it in front of all of his kindergarten friends. I mean, that's you, dude, I felt in that moment, I felt such serious, like such, where's this sin coming from in my heart? Why do I feel the need to prove myself, to take control of this? Why do I feel the need to defend myself here for this guy who obviously has his own, like what is going on in my heart? And by the way, man, you're in my chair. Like that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to go over there, put him in a headlock. Get out of my seat. You're going to talk to me that way. But I didn't, man. By the grace of God, I I kept it cool, as cool as cool could be. And I walked over, during the break, I walked over to the youth pastor and said, Hey, Mike, man, I just got to let you know, dude. I've never punched a student in the face in my entire student ministry career, but I'm about to punch your boy right in his teeth, dude. No joke. I said, Mike, you got to pray for me, man, because I'm about to go to jail for punching this minor right now. Like, if he were one year older, I don't even think I'd be a temptation. It'd already be done right now. Like, dude... But what what was going on in my heart? This guy drove me to the point where I was, the scenario got away. I wanted to control it. It wasn't my design, and I wasn't flexing with what was happening. I wasn't flexible or adapting with what was happening. What was going on there? And that's not the only time in my life that this has happened. This happens all the time. That's about (laughs) a, a, a young man who's got some anger issues and authority issues and was taking it out on me. He didn't know me, and it got under my skin, if I'm honest. But I've had other times, man, sometimes very, very painful times. Sometimes Lauren and I are just at rock-bottom places of pain. And we're just wondering, man, why, God, why? Why couldn't we control this, man? Some of you guys know over the weekend I I went to a funeral, or I guess not some of you guys, one of you, Carter Smith, you know. I went to a funeral, man, of a two-month-old baby girl. And you're just there, and you're like, Why this? Why this scenario? And this desire to control life, to control outcomes, it's really based on on one thing, how we think life should go, that we have the best design, not God, but us. And then we get upset when it doesn't happen. I want to look at a passage of Scripture tonight where all this is on, on display, this desire to control an outcome thinking we know better than God himself, thinking we could do better if we just take over. Jesus, if you give me permission, I'll go ahead and handle this for you. You don't even got to worry about it, bro. And I want us to look at what Jesus does in this moment. And this is primarily about Jesus and a guy named Peter. Most of us are, are maybe familiar enough with Peter. He's, he's kind of Jesus one of his like close dudes, one of his inner circle, the three. But Peter um, used to be a fisherman And he's dropped his nets to follow Jesus now for a few years. And one of the things I want you to know about Peter is Peter, like Jesus' disciples, they had an idea about who Jesus was supposed to be. You see, all throughout the Old Testament, there were these prophecies that were made about the chosen one of God, and when he comes, he will restore Israel to its power. And right now, during Peter's time, during Jesus' time, Israel is not in power. Rome is in power. Caesar is in power. If anyone's ever seen the movie Gladiator, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, right? Like, anyone ever seen that movie? Caesar is in power, not Israel. And all of Jesus' disciples seem to be under the impression, based off of their understanding of the Old Testament scriptures, that Jesus is the chosen one of God, and he will restore the throne to Israel. In other words, they think he's a military leader, and they're just waiting, just waiting for him to lead the insurrection, to lead the rebellion, to overthrow Rome, to purge the country of, of Romans, and to sit on the throne and restore Israel to its proper place. They're waiting on Jesus to be the military ruler. The the, the resurrection, the fact that he's going to die, this is not even factored into their logic. Like they don't get that whole idea. The disciples are following Jesus under the premise that he will overthrow Rome. Right? Like, Jesus, this is what we're doing, right? Like, we got all these following people. Like, all these Jews are all about you, right? Like, we got sway. We got, we got power, dude. We're drawing them by the thousands. Like, they're waiting on him to overthrow Rome. And here's this very crucial crossroads in the life of Jesus. He's praying in the garden, and these soldiers come to arrest him. And in this moment, Peter knows if they arrest him, he can't overthrow Rome And so Peter senses this, I'm losing control. I'm losing control of the scenario. My plan for what Jesus was going to do isn't about to happen, so I've got to take it into my own hands. That's where we're going to be tonight. So let's go ahead and open our Bibles. John chapter 18. We have it on the screens for you too. John chapter 18. I just gave you the context a little bit, but let's go ahead and read verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, so, Judas is one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He's the one who betrays Jesus. He's the one who sells Jesus out for a little bit of money. And he sneaks away and he gets a bunch of soldiers and religious leaders. And they go there to capture Jesus with torches, with weapons, with lanterns. Verse 4. And then Jesus, very interesting phrasing here, then Jesus, knowing. All that would happen to him. Jesus seems, Jesus seems to understand this is what it's going to be. Like this is what's going to happen. Jesus does not seem surprised by this. He doesn't seem surprised that he's about to be arrested. In fact, it seems like he's got a supernatural understanding leading up to the cross about the events that are about to unfold. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and he said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, the soldiers drew back and fell to the ground. Like, if, if you can imagine this scene, hey, who are you guys looking for? Uh, Jesus of Nazareth. That's me. <laughs> like, you just get blasted. And fall back, backwards on your back, flat on the ground. Why? What's going on there? They trip or something more? So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, "Uh, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answers, yeah, I, I told you I'm he. So if you seek me, let these guys go. He's trying to protect this dude. I mean, he's like, you guys need a minute? Like, you guys good? You need a second? You need a breather after that <laughs> fall right there? Uh, you still looking for me or what? Like, yeah, we're looking for Jesus. I, t- I just told you, it, it's me. You guys good? You need a second? If you want me, but let these guys go. He's protecting his disciples. They have nothing to do with this. You're looking for me. This was to fulfill the word that was spoken. Of, the, of those whom you gave me, I have not lost one. Verse 10. And this is really, this is my verse, man. This is where I've been today, sometimes in my life. And then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. It's unfortunate. The servant's name was Malchus. That's even more unfortunate. It's a beautiful baby boy. What do you want to name him? (laughs) Mahas. So Jesus said to Peter, and put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the father has given to me? These are our our 11 verses for the night. So, dude, what is going on in this scene? I mean, first of all, you got to understand, Jesus has been doing ministry a while. He's got a following. His disciples think, remember we talked about, he's a military leader. His disciples are waiting, just waiting on him to overthrow Rome, to be the conquering king. And their understanding of the suffering servant was not factored in whatsoever into their idea of who Jesus is. They keep seeing all these crowds follow him, and you know they're talking amongst themselves. Man, is this the time? Dude, we got, a, we got quite a following. Did you know that Jesus, in his 12 disciples, there was another guy named Simon in his 12 Not Simon Peter, but another Simon. And that Simon was what we would consider a terrorist. That Simon was a called a zealot, which was a group of Jewish people who were trying to lead insurrections against Rome. Like they were causing mayhem all over the city. Jesus looks at this this guy, Simon the Zealot, someone who's like at, at at trying to create warfare with Rome. He's like, hey, you, Simon, come follow me too. Like in his circle, he had some guys. This was their mentality. We will overthrow Rome. Jesus has this whole different idea, but they don't know it. And here's this pinnacle moment in Jesus's life where they're praying together. The disciples sense something's up. This is John 18. So we've just been through John 13, the last supper. He's given bread and wine. This is my body. This is my blood. He, we, we've been through John 14, man, I'm going somewhere, but you guys can't follow, but I'm sending a helper. Okay, that's weird, we don't quite get that. John 15, okay, abide in me and I'm gonna abide in you. Okay, that's straight. John 16, 17, the high priestly prayer, I'm praying for you guys in John 18. They know something's up. Like some, Jesus is acting a little bit different than usual, but they don't quite get it. And here come these soldiers, armed soldiers with swords and lanterns and torches. They've come to arrest Jesus, and Peter's having none of it. Peter decides, "Uh uh-uh. No, man, he's our military ruler. If you guys arrest him, he's not going to be able to unfold his plans to take over Rome. That ain't going to happen. And so Peter whips out a sword. It's interesting. We don't ever see the disciples with a sword, do we? With weapons of any kind. Like, that's just not part of the narratives. If you read the Gospels, the disciples don't have weapons. So I'm scratching my head on it. Like, dude, Peter, where did you get that sword? Like, you got it hidden somewhere? Because we never hear about it. But all of a sudden in the scene, you have a sword. Did you hide it from Jesus? Like, is this like a fallback plan for you? Or what? Peter swings, probably at the guy's head, trying to kill him. Kind of misses. Hits an ear. And it's really interesting, man. So what's Peter doing, dude? I, I just want to extract a few thoughts from this passage The first thing I I want you guys to know is like, I I think what Jesus is teaching Peter here, because look at what Jesus does. Jesus tells Peter, man, sheath your sword, put it away. In another gospel, in the gospel of of Luke, Jesus says, hey, none of that, no more of that. Like super assertive, very, uh uh-uh. In the gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, man, those who live by the sword die by the sword, Peter. Like Jesus is not about this in any of the gospels you look at. In fact, in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus goes over to Malchus, and it says he touches his ear and heals it. It doesn't record him picking up the decapitated ear, by the way. Like, Malchus is about to have some three years going on here in a second. You know what I mean? He just touches his ear and heals it. He takes off his hand, and there's a new ear. Hey, man, sorry about that. My boy's a little hot-headed. You know what I mean? We good? We good? Like, yeah, we good. Okay. And you know, Peter's got to be thinking, what? You healed him? What do you, what do And Jesus is like, man, put that away. I think sometimes we get into this idea and this rhythm of life that, that life is really all about us. I know on my worst days when I'm seeking control, when I have a hard time living open handedly, when I have a hard time adjusting to how the day's going. I've somehow gotten into the mindset that this day was ultimately about me. Now, I don't say it like that, but that's the truth of it. I know that when I'm super cranky and grumpy and when days are going bad and I get all anxious and worked up, I know that sometimes I get this little tap on the shoulder from the Spirit and he says something like this, Hey, man, uh, what if you prayed about this instead of complained about this? And I think, that's good advice. (laughs) what if? But how do I do that, man? Because to pray about it, not just praying that the outcome becomes what I wanted it to be, to actually say, God, your outcome, man, may I come around your outcome? That would actually require me to let go of the anger I have, to let go of the control I have, to let go. I don't know how to do that sometimes. You see, Peter and the other disciples Gotten This idea into their heads that the Jesus we follow will one day be a military leader and we're just waiting on that day and here's Jesus allowing himself to be arrested and taken. Remember the scriptures knowing what was about to happen to him. He knew. Jesus is allowing this unfold. Peter's Peter's seeing his future vanish in front of it. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. What about what about the military? Hey man, what about taking Rome off the throne and putting whoa whoa gee, hold on man. No, 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 no. Guys whips out a sword and goes after I mean, this is where Peter's at. I gotta prevent this from happening. I gotta take control into my own hands. Sometimes we get this idea in our lives that life is really all about us. That if my plans go astray, that if my plans go aside, then I need to do something about it. I need to take control. I need to help God out. Peter, what are you doing, man? I'm helping you, God. I ain't going to take you. Jesus is like, look at verse 11. Dude, you don't think I'm going to drink the cup that the Father has for me, Peter? In other words, Jesus is saying, Peter, do you not know? This is part of the plan, man. I don't know if you've just been blind to it, but this has been the plan from the start. Reread those Old Testament scriptures, and you'll see that I actually have to die. I'm not here as a military leader. I'm here as a suffering servant. We get this idea into our heads that life's about us, and therefore, when our plans go astray, we need to take control rather than allowing God to do what God's going to do. Sometimes we're not even honed into that. Maybe this is God's plan because we're all about us, right? Now, my day's going, my day's going bad. I'm frazzled. My plans didn't. But what if God had different plans? In Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says this to Peter. He says, Peter, don't you, dude, I could call down 12 legions of angels at this very moment and they would decimate this place. If I wanted that to happen, it would happen. Peter, I'm letting this happen. Are you just missing that? Because you're too busy defining who I'm supposed to be according to your own mind. Don't we do that to Jesus. When life goes bad, Jesus, man, where were you You supposed to do this? Was he? Says who? Some understanding you had about it? Did you get that from Jesus? Did you make it up yourself? Yeah, but Jesus, we had a deal, man. Who made that deal? Jesus signed some piece of paper, or did you kind of make it up and say, yeah, he's good with it? We get into this idea that life's about us when it's about God and his plan unfolding. And sometimes in life, man, there are things going on around us that we simply cannot see. I man, when Jesus, when Jesus responds and he says, Who are you guys looking for? They say, Jesus of Nazareth, he says, Well, here I am. And they fall back. I man, I, I think there's some spiritual elements at play. What you think they tripped on some roots altogether? I don't think so, man. I think there are some spiritual components at play that we simply cannot see. There are things going on in our lives sometimes that are in a spiritual realm and not a physical realm, and sometimes we get it into our heads that everything is physical and earthly, and if we're having a bad day, it must be earthly problems that I need to control. If my plans are going right, it must be physical earthly problems that I need to manipulate or control or do something with, and sometimes there's things going on around you that you simply cannot see. Peter, interestingly, brought a physical weapon to, I think, a spiritual moment. The scriptures are pretty clear. There's a spiritual realm that we don't see. We can sense it. You can sense some things going on around you sometimes. You can sense you have an enemy who hates you and wants nothing more than to destroy you and lead you away from life in Jesus. And it's interesting, man. You you have a physical problem. Like, I don't know, you stub your toe or something like that or you cut your toe open what do you do you put a band on it right like you you solve physical problems with physical things but you have a spiritual problem and what do you do most of us and myself included I try to solve it with physical things well maybe if I just I don't know maybe if I wake up earlier maybe if I grind later at night you know maybe if I stay up till two or three this when we have earthly problems or, or spiritual problems we try to solve it with physical things But what if instead Jesus is actually inviting us to perform a spiritual act of trust? You can't see that. You can't touch trust. Because trust requires letting go in a spiritual problem. How do we respond? Peter's responding physically. What else about Peter, man? What else about Peter can... Can we kind of relate to here? I think I think one I, I know I'm, I know I'm guilty of sometimes and I know a lot of us are guilty of sometimes is that we get it into our heads that following Jesus will lead to a beautiful life, and that that plan is going to be so good. So backtrack a few years in the life of Peter here's Jesus. Peter was a professional fisherman, and Jesus says, hey, drop your nets. I want you to leave your life, your profession, your practice. I want you to leave your future. I want you to leave all of this and follow me. And Peter, amazingly, lets go of his nets. And I think sometimes we do that. We follow Jesus big picture. Oh, Jesus, you want me to follow you in my life? Woo! Okay, that sounds good, bro. Like we get hyped up about something, a sermon we heard, epic retreat, something like that. We're like, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to give you all of my life. You want me to drop my nets? Okay. You want me to drop this? Yeah, I'm all in. And we follow Jesus like that. Big picture. But then all of a sudden, here comes a, a micro picture. Here comes a small scale. Here comes a daily battle. And we're losing it. And our desired outcome isn't happening. And our understanding of who Jesus is was a little off. And we wanted it to go a different way, and it's clearly not going. So yeah, we follow Jesus big picture, but do we follow Jesus in the small picture, in the day-to-day? You know, what's interesting about Jesus, or what's interesting about Peter is, he had no problem dropping his nets. But in Peter's mind, he's like, yeah, I'll drop my nets, I'll drop my profession, I'll drop my life, I'll follow you, but you know what I'm going to hang on to? I'm going to hang on to it sore. You never know when I might need one of those. And, and honestly, you can't quite blame. I mean, if you look at Peter's pers- perspective, hey, they're coming at us with swords. Man, they got swords. They got torches. They got lanterns. These are the bad guys, man. Hey, 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 you guys want to. Like Peter just <laughs> chops off an air, dude. Do we, not, do we not let go of our nets, but hold on to our swords? Do we not follow Jesus in the big picture? and still struggle to the day-to-day? I know I do. Like, when I envision my life, there's never a moment when I'm not following Jesus, but sometimes when I reflect on my days, it is clear I was so far from Him because I didn't trust. I brought physical weapons to a spiritual battle. I wanted to control my desired outcome. I had some idea about who Jesus was. I thought I was on board with what He was doing, and then all of a sudden... We hit a curve and God's plans are going this way when I thought they were going that way and all of a sudden, it's like, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, no, let me just chop your ear off. Like, Man, I'll, I'll let go of my big picture, but what about your day-to-day? That's where I'm guilty. That's where I know I'm, I'm not trusting in Jesus. Not my future, not my long-term, but the day-to-day. There are just days when I've got such a tight grip on my life What would it look like to not only let go of my nets, but my sword too? To let go of of anything that would give me any sense of control, the illusion of control, and it is an illusion. What would it look like for me to have both hands open, take the sword off completely and say, you know what, gee, I don't get this, dude. I don't know why you're letting them arrest you. I don't know why you're giving yourself up, but dude, I trust you, man. I trust you. You seem, to be, you seem to be in control. I mean, who is really in control in this scenario, if you think about it? These guys come looking for Jesus. Jesus says, yeah, I'm right here. I mean, who's really in control? Jesus seems to be fully understanding and in control of what's happening in the moment. Willingly. I find myself all the time getting frazzled about this or worked up about that or tightening my grip on this or praying so hard to God, would you... Would you change this? Would you do this? Or, or question, God, why? I thought it was supposed to be like this. My big picture is surrendered. My day-to-day, if I'm honest, I, I withhold oftentimes. I hang on to just enough that, that would make me think I can control an outcome. I wonder how surprised Peter was when Jesus healed Malchus' ear. <laughs> what, you going to heal him? Dude, he's, ar- he's the bad guy. He's arresting you. Times in my life have I been blown away by God performing in a way or acting in a way that I just thought there's no way he would do that, and he does it. Jesus, I thought we were gonna overthrow Rome. You're over here giving Rome new years. I don't get that, man. Peter, put the sword away. It's not what I'm about. You guys ready to take me now? I mean, could you imagine how baffled Peter was? Peter goes from a zealous protection of Jesus, by the way, to rock bottom in the next 24 hours. Jesus gets arrested, and Peter is questioned in public by people. Hey, don't you, aren't you the guy that's always with him? Three times, publicly, Peter says, nah, I don't know that man. Peter, dude, less than 24 hours ago, you chopped a dude's ear off trying to prevent this. Now you're out here denying him? Now I don't know that, man. I'm not, I'm not the guy you think I am. Peter goes rock bottom. He sinks in to this dark place. He denies Jesus three times. And at one point in his life, he, he dropped his nets to follow Jesus. If you track the story of Peter in the remaining chapters of the Gospel of John, he actually picks his nets back up. He becomes a fisherman again. In his mind, this whole following Jesus thing, overthrowing, in his mind, it's done. That was a cool dream, bro, but it's done. And then one day, this strange man is standing on the shore, and he calls out. He says, hey, how are the fish going? Peter says, we're not catching much. This guy says, well, what if you toss your nets on the other side? And in that moment, Peter knew, this is Jesus. How is he back? He died. We saw it. He's here, though. And Jesus began to reveal his resurrected body to them. And Jesus and Peter go on a little walk, and they have this conversation. And Jesus asks Peter, He says, Peter, do you love me? Actually, he says this. He says, Peter, son of John. It's interesting. Peter, son of John, do you love me? Peter says, I love you, Lord. Jesus says, okay. Take care of my people. Feed my sheep. Then without missing a beat, Jesus says, Peter, son of John, do you love me? Peter says, I I imagine, I I don't even know if I could look at Jesus. I just denied you three times. I, I went back to my old life. Within three days of your death, I'm back as a fisher. I, I couldn't look Jesus in the eyes. I'd have too much shame. Maybe he could. I couldn't. But Peter says, I love you. I love you. Jesus says, okay, take care of my people. Feed my sheep. Peter, son of John, do you love me? Peter says, Jesus, you know all things. You know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus says, Okay. Take care of my sheep. Take care of my people. Now, What's really interesting, Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus has this conversation with, with Peter where he reminds him three times. But, I man, I, I've missed something here for years that as I was studying this passage, I began to think, what if, dude, what if? It's interesting that Jesus, because he doesn't call Peter this every time. He doesn't say, "Hey, Peter, son of John. But in this conversation, he does. He says, son of John. Every time he addresses him, Peter, son of John. I wonder if Jesus isn't reminding Peter who he really is. In the midst of his utter failure, in the midst of... Man, you got it wrong on the military leader. Then you rejected me three times. Now you're embarrassed of me. You've returned to your old life, the life I called you out of. You dropped those nets. Now you picked them back up. I mean, I just imagine the shame Peter is experiencing in this moment. I think maybe Peter need to be reminded of who he is. Peter, you're the son of John. The family you come from, let me remind you who you are. But furthermore, because Peter says in that third instance, Jesus, you know all things. If Jesus already knows that Peter loves him, why, why do this whole three times trade thing? I began to think, I, forever I've thought that Jesus was counterbalancing the, the denials. He, he's restoring a three times love here. But I began to think, what if, what if, if Jesus already knew that Peter loved him, what if it wasn't for Jesus to hear? What if it was for Peter to hear? What if if Peter himself needed to be reminded that he did love Jesus? It's kind of a, a different thought, right? It's a whole, it's a different conversation. Has there ever been a time in your life when you need to be reminded you love Jesus? Don't forget. Man, you may have blown it. And you may be wrestling with utter shame right now. And you may be having all these assumptions and doubts of God's love for you. But but please don't forget, you love Jesus. I know at the end of the day you love Jesus. Has there ever been a moment where you need to be reminded of that? I think Peter was in one of those moments. And I think Jesus invited him into this space where he's reminding him of who he is, whose son he is. And that Peter would hear from his own mouth, You do love me, Peter. You do love me, Peter you do love me, Peter. Now follow me. Jesus invites him again in that moment to follow him. It's interesting he uses those words again. Follow me again. In my desire for control, I can forget sometimes how good God is. Sometimes it's hard to sing it is well. Sometimes it's, it's so easy to forget how good God is and how much I really do love him because I've made the day about me. I've let go of my nets, but i still hold on to my sword. I've made this whole thing about me. I've come under this idea that it's all going to be good and that God isn't going to throw sharp curveballs, but then he does. I'm like, man, what is happening? And I totally forget. This is God's plan unfolding, and it's not about me. It's about him, and I'm, a, I'm in a part of it. I desire control, and I get angry when I don't have it. You know what I really don't have? Trust. That's what's revealed in my heart. Because trust is the cure of control. You don't desire to control the outcomes when you trust in the person who is in control of the outcomes. You don't don't desire to take over and grab a sword and lop someone's ear off when you understand, whoa, this is part of the plan. Oh, wow, Jesus could call down angels. He's letting this happen. Okay. Trust is the cure of control. But the motive of trust, the motive of trust is love. And that's why I think J- Jesus invited Peter into this. You love me? Yeah, I love you. I know. But do you love me? Yeah, I love you. I know. But do you love me? Jesus, you know all things. You know I love you. I know. I think, I think maybe Peter needed to hear it. You love me. So trust me, follow me. I know I need to hear that. Maybe you do too. Love is the motive to trust. Trust is the cure of control. We trust who Jesus is. Instead of creating our own puzzle pieces, we let his plan unfold in your life. Instead of grabbing your sword and trying to control every outcome, we let go of that big picture and small picture and just trust. Do you love him? And trust him. Let's pray. Jesus, we do love you. It's hard to trust. Love may be a motive of trust, but it's not a guarantee of trust. And so, Jesus, we pray with all our hearts that you would help us to trust you. Help us to not only let go of the big picture of our nets, Help us let go of the day-to-day. Whatever sword we're hiding on us, whatever we got tucked away somewhere in our hearts or minds, whatever we got, just in case we need it, would you help us let go of that too? Your way is so much better. Help us to love you. Help us to trust you, Jesus. Help us to live in your plan, not ours. We ask in your name.